0: What a beautiful, beautiful piece, isn't it? Uh, it, It fits our annual verse as well. The theme for the year 2022. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 22. Wait for the Lord and He will deliver you. So we come full circle as we get close to the ending of the year, but the beginning of the church year. We're going to read together the scripture passages uh, for at least the springboard of the sermon series as we go into Advent. Revelation 19, verses 11 to 16, and we'll, we'll read these aloud together, these verses. They're relatively short, and then we'll go into our call to worship, which is responsive from Psalm 96, but let's begin together, shall we? Revelation 19, verses 11 to 16. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. His head are many diagrams. He has a name written that no one knows but he himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. The armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then our psalm say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will the Sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will This is the word of the Lord. Amen. God. It's a, usually a challenge, but a joy uh, to find a psalm that responds thematically with whatever passage we're reading uh, for the sermon text. As we enter into this new season of Advent, we're going to um, develop this series, Sobriquets of the Season. Sobriquet. I suppose we need to explain that one. It's a, it can be a term that means nickname or title. So as you read in Revelation 19, you may have noticed there were several names, several titles given to the Lord Jesus upon His second coming, His second return. There are four actually in this passage. The first we'll look at faithful and true. The second... Uh, We really can't explore too much because it's the one who shall remain nameless. It's a name that only he knows, Uh, and, and I suppose in time he'll reveal that to us, probably not until he comes again. Then we have the word of God, which is a title, a name for him, and then we have King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're going we're gonna to run, run out of titles in chapter 19, so we're going to have to bounce ahead to chapter 22 by the time Christmas and New Year come, and we'll, we'll read a few more sobriquets. Can you say that together with me? Sobriquet. There you go. It's not that hard. A well, little hard to read, but not that hard. Um, open your Bibles to Revelation 19, we'll be looking at verse 11, and we'll we use it as a springboard because we're going to look at just the one title, Faithful and True. Now, this is a, a, an idea that had been uh, presented earlier in the book of Revelation. Those of you that have been uh, with our Sunday evenings earlier in the fall, we began uh, a, a journey through the book of Revelation. We took a little break as we were looking at uh this critical theory kind of stuff. And we're grateful for Mr. Gent in leading us in that. We'll return to Revelation, but earlier in Revelation, uh, there is indeed this, this reference to faithful and true as Jesus is among the seven churches, uh, the golden lampstands. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, he's writing to the church of Laodicea, which is an ominous kind of setting in church, but he says to the church in Laodicea, write this, verse 14, chapter 3, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. We have a, a series of words there, again, faithful and true, but there it's connected with the word Amen. The word Amen is that old Hebrew word in the Old Testament, Amen, and Amen, amen is a word that means true, trusty, trustworthy. Uh, sometimes our English translations in the old days would say, verily, verily, or truly, truly, uh, I say unto you, He is the Amen of God. And this is picked up from Isaiah chapter 65. Jesus is now identifying Himself as the Amen of God, the true God, the one who is. He is the truest and most accurate uh, testimony, witness, revelation of the Father. And unlike all previous rulers, even in including Esther or Mordecai, even greater than David, greater than Solomon, uh, greater than Daniel, greater than Adam, is Christ. He is without neglect, without failure, without oversight, without sin. He is genuine. He is real. He is reliable. He is integral. The theologians call it simple. There are no parts. He's not fragmented in his character. He is... Genuine through and through. No contradiction, no complexities to his personhood. He will rule righteously. And that's what we look forward to. Christ has come in the first coming, the first advent. And as we anticipate celebration of the first advent in Christmas, so we anticipate the consummation in his second coming. Now, back up a bit. We have purple for the season of, of Advent in part because it is this semblance of royalty, I suppose. But deeper than that is a sense of passion, the, the suffering and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for which He came to do. That is His purpose. We celebrate the Advent season and we, we work hard. We resist the world to start it until today. Today. The world's already begun Christmas. We've begun Advent. Building, anticipating, preparing for the coming, come for Christmas. And then Christmas begins in tradition the twelve days of Christmas. We we get to ease into the celebration and ease out of the celebration so that we don't have this great letdown at the end. We have a a corner house I won't say which intersection, but it's over by us. Like, no sooner, no sooner is Halloween done, and the Christmas lights are up. And by Christmas night, they're gone. Like, wow, he's getting ready for Super Bowl, I guess. I don't know. We get to ease out of it, so we don't have this holiday blues or letdown afterwards. And we're grateful for these rhythms and paces of life. What is it for the coming of Christ to be the faithful one, the true one? It's an interesting construction. We'll we'll unpack it in three dimensions. Reality, reliability, and righteousness. And um, we'll look at this. Reality, faithful and true. There was another white writer earlier in the Revelation. Chapter 6 and verse 2. And it was a a rider, a white rider, who also had a a diadem, a crown, a great champion, a great victor, a conqueror, often identified actually as the foil of Christ, the Antichrist. In chapter 6, verse 2. He has a bow, he has a crown, he's on a white horse, he comes conquering and to conquer. But he he is nothing in comparison to this one who truly comes, the faithful and true witness. The one who came before was a false witness, an antichrist. This is the real Christ. He comes faithful and true in his witness. He reveals reality. Reality. His incarnation, in fact, in John's gospel is described as this, this reality. John chapter 1, verse 14. And then into 17, Uh, these will sound familiar to you. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth. It's repeated again in verse 17. The law was through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. Jesus Himself well, would identify with this and say, I am the way, the truth. I am the truth. I am the life. Truth brings life. Falsehood and deception bring death. Now, it's not, it's not only uh, that it's an t- entire opposite, but there is some. Satan is known as the father of lies the father of lies so we see this in john 8 uh, and verse 44 you are of your father the devil and your will is to do the father's desires he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth the truth because there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks out of his own character he is a liar and the father of lies Character. Character of lie, a character of falsehood, a character of death and darkness. Jesus is the faithful and the true witness. He is reality in itself. It's not that Jesus is, is only the opposite of the devil, even as truth is, is not just the absence of falsehood. Truth is not just the absence of a lie. Truth is the the co- Bringing together the construction that defines reality. It, it stands in, yes, stark contrast to the lie, but the lie cannot exist apart from truth. Truth exists in the person of God. He is truth. Philosophically, ontologically, truth is truth. Because God is. But the lie, the lie doesn't exist apart from the creature. And the lie doesn't exist apart from truth. It can't stand on its own. I know this is getting a little philosophical, a little heavy. But that's good for us. Truth needs nothing external to prop it up. It needs no other affirmation. The lie always does. So during this Advent season, the Christmas season, we will see and hear a lot of stories. True stories, uh, religious stories, some stories of the imagination, even fantasy. The gift of the Magi, a wonderful story, but one of imagination and fantasy. It's not biblical, it's not scriptural in itself. In fact, even the names of the three Magi. Let's see. Casper, Melchior. Casper. What? Belshazzar. Yes, thank you. I thought if I started one, the other one would come, and it didn't. Doing that less and less these days. So, wonderful story, but fantasy. we, We hear other stories. The Grinch. Um, I don't know. Well, we'll stop with that. You'll hear these stories of fantasy. Oh, we could just say in the word, Hallmark. Hallmark Christmas. Fantasy. You don't agree with that. It is. But they, they assert values. They assert statements. They assert views. They assert what they say to be truths, and sometimes there is a, an element of truth in those stories. But all of those stories need to be weighed against the one who is reality, the faithful and true witness, the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I'm with you. I, I enjoy a lot of the stories, a lot of the Christmas fantasy we, we build our idyllic and our idealistic Christmas villages, right? You've got your little houses and your little people, and, and you create this wonderful scene of the idyllic life, and you can enjoy winter without being in it. You love the snow and the ice on the little display table, and those are fun. But the, the, the songs and the sights, the stories of the season will suffuse us with a sense of longing for and striving for the sensations and the securities that they promise. We want them. But our enemy will deceive us into believing those lies. I, we played games over, over the, the weekend. Um, we, I happened to win That hasn't happened for quite a while. Uh, the last one that we played, however, involved money. And, and this, is, this is a game that was produced in the early 1960s, right? So I won with a sum of 59,000. My, my economists in the house tell me that was something like 300-some thousand by today's money, which would be fantastic, But even the 59, I'd take. But it's fantasy money. I wish I wish it was like, I wish it was like Babes in Toyland, right, Laura? Yeah. (laughs) I wish it was like Babes in Toyland. I can take the ray gun and shoot the money, toy money, and it becomes real money. That'd be good. Fantasy, but I can't live there. There is no Christmas fantasy, no Christmas festivity that can supplant the reality of Christ who is God in the flesh. Faithful and true witness of God. He is truth. John 18 and verse 37 gets us ahead in history uh, of Christ's person and work uh, as he stands before Pilate on trial, and Jesus tells him, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. This is why Jesus came. And we sing these songs, and we will at the close, we're getting, I know, into the Christmas songs, Joy to the World, but look for the word truth that will be there. Similar with Adeste Fidelis, or Come, all ye faithful. Didn't we not sing uh, one stanza? The second stanza says, True God of true God. He is truth. So this is reality. Jesus is reality. The devil will send us into a tailspin with all the fantasy of the season to question reality. Reality. Know that Jesus is the truth. Not only is there reality, but there's reliability. Uh, These terms, faithful and true, reflect a reliability, a devotion. Uh, As we talked about the word amen, truly I say to you, verily I say to you. It's trusty in a manner. It's a trusty companion. It's a faithful friend, a loyal friend. It is the word from which we get the term, the verb, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Yes. But this is an adjective form here. And as an adjective, it refers to His trustworthiness, His reliability, His faithfulness, His loyalty. We have other examples in other passages. So this this one will come uh, probably familiar to you in Matthew 25 and verse 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. So this is a servant who has done what a servant does, reliably, trustworthy, loyally to his master. We see this in terms of family dynamics and family relationships. Titus chapter 1 and verse 6. There's an elder qualification, he's to be blameless, the husband of one wife, that is a one-woman kind of man, having faithful children. I know some of your translations would say believing children, but it's the adjective just the same as it is there in Matthew 25 or just the same as it is here in Revelation 19.11. It's faithful children. Faithful, not necessarily believing in a salvific believing sense, a salvation, but faithful in a sense that they acknowledge you as mom and dad. And they're not charged with dissipation and revelry and rebellion. Faithful. Now, this word pertains to Christ. Here in Revelation, He's the faithful and true witness. Earlier, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, this revelation comes from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. And we've already read Revelation 3.14, the amen, the faithful and the true witness. Now, what is this? Well, there is a context, and the context in Revelation specifically deals with Jesus being the reliable representation, revelation of God. But it is used in other ways, in other places, in other contexts. So I want to explore the, well, shall we call them these gifts of Christ's faithfulness? In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is faithful. That is, He'll provide you a way of escape from temptation. Revelation 10, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He'll also provide a way of escape that you would be able to endure it. God is faithful in the midst of the temptations. He is faithful to sanctify you completely. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. May the God Himself sanctify you wholly, completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body Be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. God is faithful to sanctify, to make you more and more holy. He won't give up on you. He won't quit on you. He will stay with you and form you to the image of His Son, Christ, Jesus our Lord. So he's faithful to protect us and provide escape in temptation. He's faithful to sanctify us completely, and he's faithful to guard us against the evil one. Spiritual warfare. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. You have an even better promise than Peter did. Jesus said Satan desires to sift you. To test you and try you. But even after you've been sifted, you will stand and witness to your brothers. But the Lord is faithful to you in a way that you will be guarded against the evil one. This is not the way Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6. Deliver us From evil. That's actually the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Lead us. Lead us positively. Guide us. Be our shepherd. Not into temptation, but deliverance from the evil one. Faithful to provide escape from temptation. Faithful to sanctify completely. Faithful to guard against the evil one. Faithful to forgive. Forgive. First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful to forgive your sins, to cleanse you. And he is faithful to bring us all the way home to the eternal city. Hebrews ten, verse twenty three. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He'll carry us all the way home. That brings us full circle back to Revelation 19. For the context in Revelation 19 leading into 20, 21, 22 is the new creation, the heavenly city which is coming from above. And he is faithful, he will bring us there. It's guaranteed. Better than the toys that will break on Christmas Day, the gifts that will tarnish, and even more trustworthy and faithful and loyal than any other earthly companion. Jesus, the faithful and true one, is with you. He's real and he's reliable. He's also righteous. Verse 11 in Revelation 19 continues. The one sitting on this white horse is faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. He's riding on the white horse. Interestingly, the horse is white. The saints that follow him in heavenly host army are clothed in white. I've read this for years and always pictured and assumed Jesus was in a white robe. I I, I think even the, the pictures that were taken of it The, the illustrations that were made after reading this, I think typically depict him in a white robe. But maybe not. Verse 13 says he's, he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Uh, I will probably cover that again when we talk about the Word of God being a title, a sobriquet of our Lord Jesus. But he's in a robe dipped in Blood. At least at this point, it reminds me of Isaiah 1.18. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Christ is in the red robe dipped, might we say, in His own blood to make that sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sin. That we then are arrayed in pure and white linen which He has provided. There's a purity about this faithfulness and this truth. But there there is a vindication. Jesus Christ faithfully carries out Every promise made of God in the Scriptures. Every promise and every threat. He comes to judge and to make war. He fulfills the prophecies of the new creation and the new Jerusalem, but in order for that to come, He must eradicate the evil, the wicked, MacArthur puts it this way. Jesus came the first time as Savior. He will return as judge. When He came the first time, wicked people including Pilate, Herod, Annas, and Caiaphas judged Him. But when He returns, He will judge all the wicked. This is the reality and the truth, the, the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can be impatient Looking around, when will righteousness be served? When will justice be accomplished? And we are to do what we can as the people of God to love mercy and to pursue justly and to walk humbly with our God. But it will not ultimately come. We cannot usher in the kingdom, we can't make it happen but that the Lord Jesus Christ comes Himself and establishes His reign and His rule of righteousness. And all will be made right. And He will do it the right way at the right time. And He will judge all the adversaries of God who, as we would have read through the whole of the Revelation, continue to refuse to repent. In a sense, the, the judgment has begun. There are to warnings. And still, here's the phrase that repeats in Revelation at key points. And yet, they would not repent. They seem to know from where this judgment has come. And still, they will not repent. My call to you, my invitation to you, is to actually do that, to repent. To not be of those who refuse to repent. Christ has come, and Christ will come again. The faithful and true witness. He is real. He is reliable. And He is righteous. And only the righteous may enter His kingdom. And how might you be the righteousness of God? By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust Him. Rely on Him. He alone is sufficient for the salvation, for forgiveness of sin, of a restored right relationship with God. That's what the season is about. This is what we anticipate and long for. This is why we say, come, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Shall we pray? Indeed, God, we thank you for this this picture, this revelation of yourself in your Son, Jesus. We would ask that as we begin this season, we begin this series we would have a better picture, vision of Christ. That we would see Him in all of His glory. May the tinsel of the season not distract us from the glories of Christ. May the good, wonderful gifts that we receive bring us to remember that they all come from You. Most importantly, this season is the gift of life and light, of salvation. And so we ask that you would grant that to those of us here today, to place our trust in Jesus and Him alone. And as we go forth from here, may we be a light shining in the dark place, pointing others, directing others to Jesus who is the way and the truth and the life. Make our testimony clear. Make our testimony compelling. It indeed there would be peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing together. a couple things uh, just before the benediction. One is uh, this last week Dave his sister uh, went to be with the Lord so you'll want to keep uh, he uh, and Lynn in your, in your prayers and your thoughts this week and um, after the service if you want your updated picture for the directory go downstairs in the fellowship hall and do that. If you would like to share a Christmas memory uh, for the Grace Family Christmas coming up Go down to the video room, and you can re- very quickly, briefly record that. You're wondering, where's the video room? It's over there. The it's the old Sunday school office. They're still wondering where that is. It's downstairs in the far reaches of outer space, in the, in, in the southwest corner Follow Monica. (laughs) All right. This is a wonderful way to end a a browsing service. But it's it's a festive time and opportunities for us to all involve and share in those things together. Now, the benediction we're going to take from uh, the themes of Advent, hope, peace, joy. Now, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll remain up front, but you're dismissed.